I'm not regular Eurovision. I'm cool Eurovision. Hello and welcome to Think About Eurovision, a Eurovision podcast with me, Chris, a Eurovision fanatic, but a junior Eurovision newbie from the UK. And me, Kim, also a junior Eurovision newbie from Canada. Oh, that felt really weird saying it. <laughs> For the first time, you are not the expert on the uh, on the episode or the the finale we're about to discuss. How does it feel? Uh, different and weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you know how I feel. <laughs> yeah, it, it was um, a weird experience not knowing anything of any of the songs, so... Usually my notes are, I've seen your notes and your notes are in depth. Yeah. My notes, usually less in depth because a lot of the time I know the songs like the back of my hand. Right. Unless it's the older years. So I'm usually just sort of basic notes. Um, This time I've got a, a notes list with visual reminders of the songs. Right. Yeah. Because this is all new to me. Yeah. This isn't something I'm like, oh, I remember that fondly. Right. Yeah, we are both newbies, so it'll be an interesting discussion. I'm anxious to hear how you felt about Junior Eurovision compared to your well-established love of the original Eurovision. So so why don't we start there? Like, what were your overall impressions of Junior Eurovision, Chris? Overall, it did feel like a Eurovision song contest. But with yes, a slight it did. difference. But yeah. the overwhelming feeling was Eurovision. Right from the start, with like the sort of promoting the country in a visual way from the opening with that paper airplane motif. Yeah. Through to the awkwardness of the kids reading out the points at the end. Right, yes. <laughs> All the highs and awkward lows of a normal Eurovision were experienced in this junior version. Just it definitely smaller. it yeah, it had a slight difference in tone for me. Like it it was very Eurovision, but I could feel that they were trying to make it sort of a younger vibe, um particularly with the postcards and I don't know, it just like I could tell that they were gearing things to slightly younger, but yeah. overall it still felt very Eurovision to me. I thought it was great. I enjoyed it thoroughly. If I had to choose between the two, if I can only ever watch one Eurovision again, then I would go with the adult, you know, normal yeah. Eurovision. But Junior Eurovision was a hit in my book. I enjoyed it. It wasn't too bad at all. Yeah. Now um, you have said that you don't love like children singing. <laughs> I just don't <laughs> so like I mean, children like full stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, that's a bit of a requirement um, in Junior Eurovision is to hear children sing. How did you How did you feel about the quality of the, the vocals? It did lessen my enjoyment at times. Yeah. Because um, children, they're naturally, other than gifted children, obviously, not all children are going to have the same vocal range, timbre, 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 I don't know how to pronounce one of those words I've just seen written down. I know what it means, and I've come to pronounce it for the first time. <laughs> my sister until very recently pronounced uh uh c- c- cacophony she said that was quite a cacophony <laughs> she, had, she had no idea so you're me, not alone i was embarrassingly old when i learned that hyperbole is not pronounced hyperbole hyperbole <laughs> uh we've all been there <laughs> um but yeah um their, their voices are never going to be as good as a lot of adult singers but saying that there were a few surprises vocally that 
uh, came out of nowhere. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I find it's the same with normal Eurovision is there is a wide range of vocal abilities in in the performances. And some of the performances are a little bit more spectacle than they are voice quality and others you don't need a whole lot of uh, extra because the voice is all the performance you need. And I found that to be the case in this one as well. But you're right. I mean, like, there was particularly a couple of performances where they just didn't have, like, the breath control and you could tell a little bit. I mean, I say that as someone who can't carry a note, so, like, grain of salt. But... um <laughs> But yeah, but then there were some where it was like the voice on this tiny little person is incredible. And, you know, speaking of, I can I can really tell why Gaia won in 2013 from Malta. She put all the performers in 2014 to shame, in my opinion. She was a powerhouse. Yes, I had the same note in my notes that I can see why she won. Yeah. Because, yeah, uh, I'm not surprised that she was the winner from the year before because she could sing. She could really sing. I did, um, for the first time, kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I, I I probably have said this before, but I very rarely feel compelled to like look up a performer and be like, what are they doing now? Because um, like Gaia just like made such an impression. And this was in 2014. So she's 18 now. Um, and I was like, she has to have something going on. Like this kid is going places. And I did find out, FYI, that she was a contestant on season... 15, 17 of the X Factor. And um, so she was put into a girl group and then uh, Robbie Williams caught them all. So (laughs) she didn't make it too far in the X Factor, but I I think she still is pursuing singing. Just proves me that Robbie Williams knows nothing about music. (laughs) I mean, he's written Christmas already. He's written a song about COVID and Santa and how Santa's COVID can save for something. I'm not, I'm not going to listen to it. I have no intention to listen to it. Oh, I've already got the decorations up and I was ready to pull them down when I heard that news. <laughs> Just like Robbie Williams has ruined the holiday season for you. <laughs> um, okay, so back to 2014. So um, where should we start? Should we start with uh, the performances themselves? I think we should, yes. Okay. Um. um <laughs> okay, why don't you tell me where, um, you know, what were your tops and were they in line with the actual votes? Yeah, Um. so uh, short answer, no. Okay. They weren't in line with the uh, actual votes. One was close. So my absolute favourite of all the acts was Betty, People of the Sun, the Armenian song. Yes, um, okay. That that song, it was, it, it legitimately slapped. You know, it was a, a, it was dancey. Um, it didn't feel like it would have been out of place in regular Eurovision along with the staging. The staging is what made it for me. With like the acrobats doing aerial silk work. It, the staging was spectacular on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it, it, you know, that was a good pop song. Um, so that came third in the actual vote. So not too far with that one. Yes, I did not score that one as highly. I um I think that I prioritize different aspects of the performances than you do. Um, so like for me, this was one of my favorite in t- favorites in terms of staging. I also really loved Georgia's staging, although Georgia scored quite low for me. I loved the you know I loved the costumes and the spectacle, and it was like fun and you know 
childlike and vibrant, but I didn't like the song or the singing. But in any case, the staging, I really, really loved in Armenia. And I really liked the song, but I scored the, you know, sort of more ballady vocal powerhouses at the top of my books. And I didn't feel that Armenia, although she did a great performance, was as much of a standout in that way. No. Um, I, I, I think I might know who your first place might be, so we'll come to that in a minute. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I've got a guess. I mean, I could be entirely wrong. <laughs> I have been many times. I mean, you're getting like more accurate as every week passes, so we'll see. <laughs> um, my second place was uh, Emilia Donin. I'm not sure on the pronunciation because there's an accent on the D sort of letter, which looks like the Icelandic capital for... Uh, that sort of D, that's actually a sound. It's mm. languages I don't speak, so I'll, I'll be taking a guess at it. Um, but uh, willed in my eyes, I'm not even going to try pronouncing it in the uh, actual language. Um, so Serbia song, I mean, that, again, it felt like a modern song. And there's there's another song in the uh, lineup which transferred into a more rock, edgy song that I hated. Okay. This one was subtle. It kind of, you know, it started on the piano and the guitar was there in the background, just kind of quietly playing. And it just turned it up and up and up very gradually through the song until it hit the apex when she stood up <laughs> on the piano and she stood up. And that that one, it was rousing. I think it's the word I want to use for that song. I, my note on that one is that it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, I thought it was good. I scored it middle of the pack, um, but it did. I don't think that it like it didn't impact me in the same way. No. Oh. Yeah, I thought that it was a little bit basic, unmemorable. Um, so like, how crazy? That's a real difference in reaction to that song. <laughs> it really. I certainly was not one of my bottom. Uh, no. But but not, you know, not. Super close to the top for me. To be fair, I mean, I'm quite surprised I really enjoyed that one because it's not the sort of thing I would usually go for. But yeah, that's true. It, it but did it for me. All right. I yeah. mean, that's one of the things that you have said that you love about Eurovision is that it it um, introduces you to music you never thought you would like or listen to. And then here we are. You yeah. you loved it. It was rousing. Um, and then my third place one is the song from Cyprus, uh, Sophia Patsalides, uh, The Most Beautiful Day. I um, really like this one too. That one for me, it was like, so you remember Lorene from um, the uh, Swedish winner with Euphoria? It gave me vibes of her. Wait, which, what year was this? That was 2012. Right. Euphoria, yes, yes, yes. Euphoria, that one. Yeah, now I got it, yeah. I got vibes of her. Um in it and uh, now it came in third place but it wasn't without fault and i don't think it's her fault either and I, I noticed it across a lot of songs was that the music was really low in the mix and weedy and tinny mm. and it, it detracted from a lot of songs for me like the the audio quality just wasn't there it needed more bass uh, a, a middle it was just all top notes right of the music and it drove me mad and this was one of the uh key the worst offenders for it it was you know no not enough power in the backing track 
Is that when you sent me a message and said, there's something about this that really, there's something about this contest that really annoys me? Like, oh, no. was that it? No. no. I do have a guess of what that is. But oh, yeah, there's something that made me swear at the TV when I was watching. <laughs> okay, I thought I thought this might have been it, but I do have a different guess that I wrote down when I was watching it. <laughs> no, but I mean, that, that song again, it's, it's a proper banger. And with a bit of editing on the music, again, not her fault. Um, right. Oh, something to address is apparently all the kids had hands in writing the songs they said at the start of the show. Which yeah, I noticed me. that. How much of a hand they had in it, I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I imagine some of the older uh, kids had more of a hand in writing the songs than the younger ones. Right. But, uh, um, I mean, if they've had any impact input into the songs, that is good and good for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I thought that, that was uh, a really fun aspect that is not the case in regular Eurovision, right? There's no there's no required or guaranteed involvement of the performer in the writing of the song. No. So that's a fun sort of twist that Junior Eurovision has. And I think it's important for me to say as well, there wasn't a song in this contest that I hated. So, you know, with adult Eurovision, there's usually one that I hate and I give yeah. it a point in single figures. Yeah. Because uh, I work on a my sort of metric is one to a hundred. I write my points down in the lowest yeah. po- amount of points I gave was 20. Okay, that's, you know. So nothing came into single figures or below zero, as I have given the UK before. Right. Yeah, I, w- I would also agree that there was nothing that I really hated, but there were some there was some very clear bottom of the pack for me. Yeah. Um. So in some cases, I liked the song well enough, but the performance wasn't there. And it's, I mean, it sounds terrible, like these are children and like we're, I'm critiquing them harshly, but I will give them the respect of an honest critique because like they went out and, you know, gave their all. So, uh, you know, I will, I will critique them as I would any performer, but I think they all did a great job, but some really didn't hold up to the, you know, to the, the winning performance for me. I wouldn't feel bad about critiquing them because the oldest of the, te- the kids are going to be adults by now. That's the right. The youngest <laughs> will be moody teenagers who need taking down a peg or two. So it's fine. That's right. They're not going to listen to this podcast anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so on that note, uh, the winning song, Italy, was also my number one song. Knew it. Did you? I knew it. I knew that was going to be your favourite. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I will say that the song itself, I don't think was my... Like, I wouldn't say the song minus the performance was my favorite song, but I you can't argue with that kid's vocals. He just killed it. I mean, it was a real standout for me, and um, it really put it over the top. So yeah. I enjoyed Italy a lot. Uh, my number two was Slovenia. Um, I also thought that she really held her own from a vocal performance, and I really liked this song. I liked this song better than Italy's. Yeah. Uh, hang on. So... You say you like the song better than Italy's, but Italy came above. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, if I'm if I'm judging the total package, uh, Italy is my number one. If I'm if I'm basing it just on sort of like the tune of the song alone, then I liked Slovenia's better. But I mean, with Eurovision, I think you have to judge the whole package: the performance, the spectacle, the stage presence, the song, the writing, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so Italy was was the top for me, but Slovenia um, was very close. Number three for me was Russia. I thought um, I thought Russia's was very good. 
then there were a lot that kind of fell all in the same bucket for me. Um, Cyprus was very close. The Netherlands I really liked, you know, so there were a few then and then I had some middle of the pack and I then I had some very clear bottoms. So yeah. although Italy was in line with it being the winner, uh, none of really were very few, at least of my remaining top five and six uh, were in line with the rest of the votes. But I it's with only 16 performances, it's hard. Um, yeah. You know, when you're used to having like 24, 27 uh, countries participating, there's a lot of room for nuance in the in the grading of them. Right. But with only 16, I was like, oh, I really like this one. But there can only be sort of like, you know, normally I'm talking about my top 10. But it, it, the top 10 in junior Eurovision, 10 is bottom of the pack, right? <laughs> we've, we've got even fewer acts next week. We've only got 12 in 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. that, that makes it tough. What's more, but there's been a lot of dropouts. Really? Well, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um. So why don't we talk about bottoms? Yeah, and I feel bad about my bottom one because it is one of my favorite countries that I've never won... Adult Eurovision, but have won Junior Eurovision a few times, and that's Georgia. Yeah, Georgia, oh, poor, I... Poor Lizzie I, Pop. <laughs> I loved, like I said, I loved the um, costuming, the staging, I it, but the song and the performance just weren't there. Although yeah. I definitely scored it higher than you did. It was yeah. not my bottom. Um, I mean, interesting fact about that, I remember Zikabi, uh, the B themed yes. act from the last DNQ file. That song is produced by Bzekabi Studios, so I'm figuring there's a link there. Oh. Yeah. You know what? I feel like they I can feel sort of a familial connection between I mean, the two when you... bees and there's uh butterflies in that performance. That's right. So, you know? Yeah. Um but you, you you can just tell it's a child singing. It, it's a bit nails down a chalkboard for me. I agree. And I feel bad saying that, but it's when she says like it's okay and I'm like, ah, that's uh, not pleasant to hear. I agree. Like, I mean, in one way, I loved the childlike sort of uh, wonder of the, you know, the staging and the butterflies and the flowers and the costumes and whatever. But then for like a very childlike unseasoned vocal performance that I was like, I'm, I'm not loving this. But um, but that was not my bottom. My bottom was uh, in line with the votes, which it was Croatia. Oh, they they came just above Georgia for me. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of Croatia either. And again, the same problem. It was the yes. kiddish vocals. And again, another problem with the music being so weedy and thin. Yeah. it If that music sounded better, it would have helped her voice. Right. But this is the one where I found it very obvious that she was out of breath through the whole performance. And it just, it didn't carry. But beyond the vocal performance, I didn't love the song. Uh, I didn't hate it, but it I just didn't. I didn't love it. I mean, I don't like it, but it is stuck in my head. And that is one when I'm recording this, that I'm going, game, game over. Da, 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 da. <laughs> that well, is the one I that mean, is stuck in my head. Definitely an earworm. That's true. Um, uh, and just above um, uh, uh, Josie with Game Over, I had uh, the San Marino entry, the Peppermints with Breaking My Heart. Um, I was Yes, same. I was disappointed with that because... When you tell tell me an act called the Peppermints, I want them in red and white kind of peppermint Stripey. colours. <laughs> yeah, I want red and white peppermint stripe colours. Um, and it just is not good. And it really reminded me. So, I mean, this isn't a very niche memory. 
but no one except you know the kids who went to my school who will, won't be listening to this podcast um, will remember. But there was a band called FY8. So um, FY8 was be- the name of the band because they were from the, uh, a town called Livam St. Anne's, which has the postal code of FY8. Mm. Uh, so that's where their name came from. And they came and did a performance, a school assembly when I would have been like, you know, 13, 14. It was when Steps, S Club 7 were all the rage in the UK. Right. I don't know if they made it over to Canada. S Club 7 did. Yeah. So it was very much in the vein of them. It was like uh, a mix of boys and girls singing. And it was, you know, with really badly choreographed dances, you know, like <laughs> hand signs sort of mimicking and mirroring the lyrics. Yeah. Um, cringe. Uh, sort yeah. of performance and it reminded me of that and again it's not their fault like some of the choices like them sort of walking across the stage in different directions singing their line i hated yeah. that and that's yeah. the director's fault that's not their fault that's whoever yes. choreograph choreograph their performance's fault so shame on that choreographer yeah i agree although what i found mo- the biggest standout for me so this is San Marino was the one where it was sort of the girl group, right? With the different colored skirts. Yes, okay. Yeah, Yeah, so what I found with them is I really liked their vocals when they sang together. And then when each of them sang their individual parts, it just like went off the rails. It just didn't carry, did it? It didn't. It felt very amateur. It felt very, yeah, I don't know, just underwhelming. Um, But I actually had them third from the bottom. So Croatia was my bottom. These were third from the bottom. In between the two was Montenegro for me. Um, But I have very similar critiques for Montenegro and San Marino, where it was like, the vocals just weren't there. It felt very amateur. The choreography was crazy like it was just not not doing it for me yeah i wasn't a fan of montenegro either they came at four from the bottom so my notes was like you know uh singing together badly and then yeah. it switched to a pop rock song so it sounded to me what i imagine um a hannah, Mon- hannah montana song sounds like when she does a rock song i've never right. watched hannah montana <laughs> me but that's what i imagine it sounds like right. very very disney <laughs> disney channel yeah, I could hear that. I could see that for sure. Like, it just, uh, it just, it just didn't do it for me. It just, I don't know, it was bottom. So then my fourth from the bottom was Georgia. So our bottom four were the same, just in different order. But we're very aligned there. I know. Who knew? Not well, aligned again, at all on the top, but. Again, I'm going to stress, none of them were bad. Yeah. Just they were l- less good than a lot of your songs. None of them, I was like, I never want to hear that song again. Yeah. All of them are like, I'd like to hear that done better. Done better, yeah. <laughs> sure. Which isn't me just um, being nice because they're kids, because I'm not nice like that. Right, yeah. They're getting no free passes because they're kids. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying too, is that like I'm still going to critique them as I would any performance. Um, one thing that kind of stood out to me, and I guess the sign of the times, because it was in 2014 and you wouldn't get away with it today, but like, um, was it Belarus? The cultural appropriation of Belarus. Oh, like, that was in my notes, yes. Like, oh, guys, I, I, are you singing a song about uh, Native Americans? No, you're not. So you're telling, um, uh, you, you're singing a song about a sort of fairy tale called Finnis the Fine Falcon. Nothing to do with Native American folklore or anything like that. Yeah. It's a, yeah. a, a Belarusian uh, sort of folk tale. So... Why, 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 why? <laughs> a culture is not a costume. Don't do it. Um, yeah. But so that was, yeah. Sorry. One thing I did like was the yeah. horns at the start of that song. The horns at the start, I was living because 
horns are just like so Eurovision like that sort of bugly kind of trumpet kind of horn sound I don't know how to describe it I was like yeah. yes we are watching Eurovision when they did that and yes. then they went into the, I saw the costume and I was like ah guys <laughs> Yeah. I mean, overall, I thought that the performer did a very good job. I thought the song was fine, but I thought that she was one of the best in terms of vocals and performance and whatever. Um, so um, costume costume aside, I thought that performance was pretty good, but yeah, definitely not a decision that um, that would be made in 2020 or, you know, should have been made in 2014. No. Um but I mean, onto your sort of tops. I mean, I liked Italy. It wasn't my favorite. Um, it felt a bit musical theater, which is always a good thing for me. Mm. Uh, and I could tell it was a good song, just not my cup of tea. Right. Um, Slovenia. Um, I also liked. They were um, fifth for me. Uh, it felt like a Dido song. Oh, I could definitely see that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and what was your third place? My third place was Russia. Russia. Yeah, I didn't like that one. <laughs> <laughs> it Fair was, enough. It was okay. It was all right. I, I just didn't love it. I had very little to comment on it. It was, it was fine. That so you know you said you one of mine tops was fine. Fine. That yeah. for me was fine. Fair. That's fair. So, okay. Beyond the performances, let's talk a little bit about the rest of the show. What what are your what were your thoughts on sort of like the? I mean, why don't we talk postcards? Uh, postcards, yeah, they were okay. Uh, they weren't the most memorable for me. Um, they were still a little bit sort of, here's our country, isn't it a beautiful place to visit? Yeah, I didn't love um, them. I didn't see it was, it, yeah, it wasn't involving the acts. So I, I like the ones where they're using the acts in the postcard. It's more engaging. This I agree. Just activities you can do in and around Malta. I thought, uh, I mean, I didn't time it or anything, but I feel it's likely that these postcards were approximately the same length as what we would normally see in Eurovision, but it, they felt longer. They were so long. I'm going to quickly check because I, I think I think postcards are usually 20 seconds long. And I think they were 30 seconds long. So they definitely felt longer to me. And I don't know if I it was just because I found I found the content boring. Um, but yeah, they felt long. And then the other takeaway for me was that there was a lot of filler in this show. And okay, so here's my guess about the thing that was annoying to you. I predict that the point at which you were yelling at the TV is when we had the back-to-back -back montages between the building of the arena and then a, and then a montage about the um, visit with the <sighs> students. Altogether, that was like 12 minutes or something of just montages. Was that it? Was that when you were annoyed? No, that was when I was bored. That was when I was oh. bored witless. <laughs> okay, um, that was my guess. So tell no, me now. Um, so um, regarding a postcard length, it says between 40 se to 60 seconds. So apparently they were on sort of average with mm. usual postcard length. It was just boring. Yeah. Um, note that the filler was dull. Um, yeah. I especially hated because I don't like dance. The, every time there was four acts yes and then a dance troupe um and some of that dan those dance troops were tragic um it was embarrassing to watch because especially because yeah. like the kids yeah that's fine the kids dancing yeah you do you it was every time you'd see like an adult in the yeah. dance troupe probably like the person who leads the troupe whatever <laughs> uh like one's like wearing like tie-dye and then there was like one guy with a big bushy beard i'm like Come on, come on, have, have a word with yourself. 
look, you, you can lead the dance troupe. You can tell them what to do. Let the kids shine. But every yeah. time it was a dance troupe, it was an adult in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I got really tired of the dance intermissions, too, between that and the montages. I mean, this this show could have been half the length. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, a little bit. I mean, in regular Eurovision, there is always an intermission. There's always some time that needs to be filled while the votes are coming in, while things are being counted. I understand that entirely. Yeah. But, like, to have an intermission between every four performances, it just dragged the show on unnecessarily. Um, I think they could have just tightened it up and gotten rid of some of that stuff. I think it was there to make space for uh, commercial breaks in countries broadcasting where they had commercial breaks mm. but you do what adult eurovision put some skits in a bit of you know talk to the acts in the green room yeah something that's a bit more content than and here's another dance troupe doing the same sort right. of vum, 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 dance i use. know okay so you know what i thought of this is so stupid i'm so i'm so old but um you remember the movie mean girls i'm sure obviously yes right so it's like when <laughs> um when uh amy poehler comes is like i'm not a regular mom i'm a cool mom <laughs> so this is like all i could think about for this whole thing is that eurovision junior is like slapping us in the face with like i'm not regular eurovision i'm cool eurovision and they had all of these like flashing lights and like i don't know geographic lasers it, it was just too much i just maybe i'm too old to appreciate all all of that all of that but it got old for me pretty quickly how do you do fellow children <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know that's straight steve buscemi that is one yeah. of my favorite gifts <laughs> um uh, i particularly hate the robot blokes dressed yeah. as robots that was my yeah. least favorite of, of, of the, the seven i think dance performances yes i even enjoyed a ballet more than that <laughs> and i hate ballet i mean i hate dance i hate all dance i don't get it i will never dance will never get me dancing anything other than the time warp i do not have that level of feeling towards dance but i still agree that this was it was too much even at our wedding, me and Sarah, we're not going to be having a, a first dance because I don't dance. I just don't do it. <laughs> okay, so just to be clear, so the... I hate dance. <laughs> okay, n- number one, my takeaway, I you hate dance, and I know this about you now. Um, but just to be clear in terms of, like, the moment that you texted me and was like, I'm yelling at my screen right now, that was not related to all of these intermissions and dance breaks and whatever. This is where you were bored, but it wasn't when you were, like, super annoyed. annoyed. So, like, tell me. I can't wait. I know. We're just getting to the good part. We'll get there in a minute. But I just want to say thanks for listening to the podcast. If you use Apple Podcasts, please do give us a review on there. It helps more people find the podcast. We can also be found on Twitter at ThinkAboutEuro, on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash ThinkAboutEurovision, and also our website, ThinkAboutEuro.vision. Anyway, let's get back to the podcast and see what made me shout and scream at the TV. On behalf of the EBU, every country gets 12 points. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Is it because they didn't want any, like, children to get zeros? Uh, That is exactly why they do it, but, you know, it's character building. (laughs) Right. But here's the thing, right, is that, like, if everybody gets 12, then if you only have 12 points, then you got zero. I mean, that's just math. Like, so why, why, like, sugarcoat it? Just let the points fall where they may. Yeah, I mean, the country who got the fewest votes was Croatia. They got 13, so they got one point. 
There you go. So yeah, I'm I, sure. I'm sure that kid can count one down from thirteen. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is that they're not stupid? I mean, it's pointless anyway. So, oh, whatever. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. So I can see why why that would have been annoying for me. I mean, I didn't like. I didn't really think about it or care all that much because nobody nobody's any better or worse off and everyone can do basic math and so there's like there was no point to that at all no completely pointless and i feel like one of those sort of um boomers on twitter who were like oh you want a, a participation trophy it's like i'm not like really like that but it's like don't patronize the kids yeah it, it, for me it just seems patronizing doing that Right. Kids aren't stupid as people think. That's right. Yeah, exactly. I mean... I mean, some are. Some are really dumb. Croatian Croatian knew. I'm sure Croatian knew that she only got one point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, okay, yeah. So, so that aspect aside, let's go into the rest of the voting. Yeah, I mean, it was fairly uneventful. I mean, they've, they've learned from the adults doing it, going like, and our 12 points goes to... Right. I did like that they had child ambassadors, that it wasn't adults, you know, awarding the points. To your point about having the adults doing the dancing, that felt weird and out of place. Like, it would have felt very weird and out of place if it were adults casting these votes. So I really liked that. Um, Can we talk a little bit about the kid jury? Yeah, I mean, I I kind of don't have a problem with that in a way because, yeah, it was only, you know, um, one through to 12 points. So it didn't make too much of a difference, but I think it's important to sort of have like a jury of kids to to cast their opinion on music performed by kids, targeted at kids. So um so I'm just confused about maybe I missed this part, but like who were who were the kids? Were these the call in votes or are these the like how how were the how was the kid jury formed? Uh that the kid jury I believe was a panel of sort of uh child Oh, oh, let me just have a look. Let me because I'm not one hundred percent certain. Um, right. So no, uh, the kids jury um, was introduced in twenty twelve, um, and it consists with um, kids aged between ten and fifteen, representing each of the participating countries competing in the contest. Oh, that's fine. So it was um, just a panel of sort of kids, and I'm okay with that because kids know what kids like. Yeah. Um. So I have no issue with that. They. They should have a, a voice that's, uh, you know, not just like the adults in the regular jury and the adults and kids watching from home voting in on the televote. Yeah. Um, it sh- there should be a way that the actual kids' voices are amplified in the voting, I think. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that as well. I just uh, I just didn't know sort of like who, who are the kids that form up this jury. But it makes sense. It's representatives from each country. So that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure who was in that jury. I can't find that information. Fair. Um, a couple of other um, things, just random things that I wrote in my notes is that it seemed, um, it seemed to me that the kids who were playing instruments were really playing. Is there a different rule in Junior Eurovision that they're allowed to play their instruments live? I couldn't find that out because I was thinking the same thing because they didn't look like they were miming. No, they didn't. I will say that the um, <laughs> the uh, the like total cast or like all performer song at the end was very clearly lip synced. It was brutal, <laughs> which well, says to me that. that like 
kids are not necessarily the best at miming, and uh, it felt very real to me when there were instruments being played. Yeah, I mean, because I, I was watching, I was like, thinking like, there's not even an attempt to make it look like they were performing it live. Like, they weren't even holding microphones. Oh, yeah, it was bad. <laughs> it was so bad. But, like, so I'm thinking per- um, in particular, so, like, Belarus. Belarus, wait, am I thinking of the right country where it was, like, the black and white pianos and there were uh, twins playing yeah, the pianos? Ba- no, that was uh, Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Um, yeah, like, those those kids looked like they were really playing the piano. And then there was, uh, um, I can't, maybe I'm thinking of the... I, I thought there was a cello or something at some point, but that yeah, might have that been a halftime the, that performance. That was the um, interval act where the okay. girl was doing ballet and then uh, that kid was playing cello and they sort of very hard contoured his face. He looked like Trixie yeah. Mattel. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so if they were playing live, even if they weren't, frankly, even if they were not playing live, there were some really um, incredible musical performances, too, beyond the vocal acts that that was very impressive. Yeah, I mean, the, the only two things, I, ones I can think of that were playing an instrument on stage, um, I, I, I can recall right now, was uh, Bulgaria and Serbia, both on piano. Right, so yeah. There's, it's possible they were uh, miming because... People who can play piano are usually pretty competent musicians. And also, you can mm. play along and turn it off. It's not like something... Because they were playing electric pianos as well. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know what? That's probably it. So they can just turn it off. Yeah. And they can actually just play along what they would normally play if they were playing live. Right. You know, that's, I'm sure that that's it. Yeah, I didn't even think about the fact that they would just turn the sound off and they would still just play it. <laughs> because, I mean, it got better. Like, Serbia, she stood up from the piano at one point and it still continued playing. So I, I oh, think it was point. just a, a good sort of way of sort of hiding the fact they weren't really playing it. It didn't look obvious. They weren't playing big circular keyboards that went around them. <laughs> right. That will always be a standout for me of like my very first Eurovision I ever watched. And this ridiculous circular piano performance where it was just random mashing of keys. Like that was hilarious. Yeah. Between that and the hamster wheel. I mean, like 2014 is going to carry a torch in my heart forever. Indeed. Um, so um, anything else on your notes that you wanted to chat about on this one? Um, no, I mean, the, the the voting was a lot less eventful than the um, adult contest. Yes. Um, it was very straightforward, other than them sort of doing the, you know, and our 12 points goes to massive pause, you know, Italy. Right. <laughs> um, one thing I didn't know is that Italy was the only country who sent a boy to sing. Oh. Yeah. I did not, you're so right, that's, I didn't even realize it until this very moment. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Yeah. There was a few boys, you know, on stage, like, for, you know, Bulgaria on the piano, like, the, the sort of slicked back hair looking really like Draco Malfoy, but with black hair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is that is very true. Women representing. Um, and then the one boy won. <laughs> but but I that's unrelated. Like, he put on a great performance. But just interesting. That's, uh, I didn't even realize. No. Um, uh and they they also said it was uh, Malta is the smallest island in Europe at the start of a show. Uh, I mean, not true. Maybe the smallest island nation. I've been to Sark. That is a smaller island. You know, Sark doesn't even have cars on the island. Oh, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. They must have meant island nation. Yeah. Um, 
uh, for other points I've got. Uh, I didn't like at the start. They said, let the show begin rather than let the junior Eurovision Song Contest begin. Which is, <laughs> they said, let the show begin. It's like, oh, we're starting. Okay. Well, that was not in my notes. <laughs> that is yet another example of your, like, very close attention to detail that I just glazed over. <laughs> um, oh, and they also mentioned that the top three songs are awarded at the start of the show. Yet when it came to it at the end, they only gave an award to Italy. I don't know if anything else was given sort of backstage or... Backstage, must have been. It's like, oh, if you're going to say that the top three songs are going to be awarded, get them all on stage. They all did well. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Yeah, so 2015 would have been in Italy then. I mean, there has been no interruption in Junior Eurovision since 2014. It's just the 2020 that's been a little bit weird, right? So Yeah, just tried to swing that's gone a bit. Uh, skew it right so just out of curiosity did you choose 2014 as our first junior eurovision because you chose 2014 as our first uh adult eurovision yep that's exactly why i like the symmetry um regarding uh 2015 being in italy no it was held in bulgaria oh (laughs) why Um, i mean uh just having a look um was it because there was uh, an evil villain who uh, made a boat explode in order to <laughs> avoid having to host in Italy because it would bankrupt the country? Uh, Italy just uh, declined the right to hold the contest. So they were given the first refusal. And they said, nah, you're all right. Okay, can <laughs> I just say that like knowing that that is an option really derails the entire plot of the Eurovision Fire Saga movie that I have just given a synopsis of there's no need for an evil villain to prevent no. you from winning in order to avoid hosting the contest they can you can say, just decline uh, guys we just don't have the pennies for it <laughs> i mean someone tell will ferrell he i mean like otherwise that would have been a perfectly uh realistic movie and depiction of eurovision not uh, not uh over the top at all it yep, was um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> for, so for 2015 there were two um uh, bids for so one from Bulgaria and one one from Malta to host in 2015. Malta again? Yeah, they were like, we love hosting Junior Eurovision because we win it. <laughs> yeah, well, send Gaia again. I wonder if they like. Can you just send the same performer over and over again? I mean, I don't see any reason why not, unless with Junior Eurovision, you know, when they get um, too old. <laughs> Right. Uh, and then well, you probably can't send, if they won the year prior, you probably can't send them again the the year after, maybe. Because otherwise, I'm like, why would they send anyone but Gaia for... No, because if, I mean, if you remember our first ever, uh, not our first ever, but our earliest one we did, uh, the 1957, uh, the winning country from the year before uh, sent the their artist for the following year. So there's oh, yeah. uh, precedent for it, uh, them sending the uh, winning act. And I feel it's happened uh in later years as well. Interesting. But I couldn't tell you uh, what acts off the top of my head. I don't think there's any uh, reason they can't do that. Well, if it were up to me, then Gaia would represent Malta every year that she could have. <laughs> they should send her for adult Eurovision. Yeah, they should. She's 18 now. I'd love to see some of like the... Uh, I mean, if you remember uh, the twin act from Russia with the yes. hair tied together, they were junior Eurovision entries. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, you told me that. Yeah, so it's happened before, so I'd like to see so, more uh, juniors come up through to adult Eurovision and do well. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Okay, well, I, our first junior Eurovision in the books. Indeed, and not our last, because next week we are going to be 
we've got a busy Sunday next week uh, because we're yes. going to be watching Junior Eurovision 2020 live, r- remotely, but together online. And then straight after that, we're going to be recording our next episode. That's going to be a fun day. Yes. And maybe maybe we'll have a few drinkies. A little couple of drinks. Uh, I mean, <laughs> as you know, I, I'm often fond of having a drink whilst I record anyway. Uh, today I've got pumpkin spice gin and tonic. I record four hours earlier than you, so I might have like, mine might be like Bailey's in my coffee or mimosas or something. You know, something that where I can say it's appropriate for me to be drinking at this hour. Yeah. Until we do a Christmas special when we're kind of heavy, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a sneak peek into our Christmas special for the listener. We're going to uh, have a few more drinks uh, when yeah. we record that one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hopefully we can hold it together enough to give some like valuable critiques but it might just be us getting sloppy who uh, knows you know what i think about this song <laughs> <laughs> well chris thank you for uh yet another week of eurovision i enjoyed this immensely yeah so uh just to uh, repeat it so next time we're going to be watching the 2020 junior eurovision song contest sort of from poland sort of Sort of. Um, and then uh, that is it for our main season until our Christmas special, which will uh, reveal more information uh, next time. So until then, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.